are here with us today on this Thanksgiving week. And I want to say this happy Thanksgiving to each and every one of you. Who here already has had your Thanksgiving dinner or you've had a Thanksgiving dinner at one point? Okay, you might be having another one here. Uh, For those that you saw that uh, winked or raised their hand, be prepared. You might have to nudge them because at any time they could go into a turkey coma. It's just something that happens. It's part of it. I'm looking forward to doing that on Monday, and hopefully the rest of you get to enjoy some of that either today or tomorrow. Well, again, I'm just so grateful to be here today with you. And before I dive into uh, Belong, uh, our, our, our last session on that, I want to just give a couple quick announcements that this coming Friday, uh, we have our Kingdom Builders, which is a monthly gathering for business-minded uh, men and women who want to make a difference. We come together, we encourage each other, we strengthen each other. That'll be at 7 o'clock, 7 a.m., not p.m., 7 a.m. at the church on Friday morning. The cost is five bucks. Uh, you won't, you'll, you'll enjoy it. And as well, I just want to encourage you for water baptisms next Sunday. I'm so excited about it. If you have not been baptized, I believe next week is your week. In fact, I felt like uh, the Lord said, for somebody here, this is going to be a breakthrough in your life if you dive in. Maybe you're on the fence. I want to encourage you to do that. Well, as I shared today, today we conclude the Belong series. And I'm so excited that so many of you have taken the opportunity to um, uh, join in and sign up each week to say that you're taking this for being able to serve or volunteer at some time. I believe the Belong track is, is one of our first steps to being able to do that as well as just showing up and being a part of the church. And so make sure that you get credit for that. And um, if you missed a week, you can always go back on our website and, and, and pull those up at any time or at YouTube or Facebook. They're all archived there and it, it will help you. But just let us know that you do that. Well, why are we doing the Belong series? Why has this been important to us? Because we believe in, in church community. In fact, the kind of the sub- title of Belong is Growing and Thriving Through Local Church Community. At Eastside, we believe in church community. We believe that experiencing your best life comes from belonging to Jesus and then doing life together with other believers in Christian community. Um, I believe this, though, about church. When we talk about church community, we have to understand that it's not an organization that we are following. It's not a special club. It's not a a building that we go to. But church community is a gathering of people who have committed their lives to serve Jesus together. That's what we're called to do. That's why we do what we do. In fact, we're looking to see more people come into relationship with Jesus and discover him through the community that we have here. And I believe this, that people need church now more than ever, uh, even if they don't realize it. And we have to remember this, that church community is not just an idea that men have or we think it's a great thing to do, but it's actually God's idea. In fact, the church is his tangible way for reaching, healing, and growing people into strong believers in relationship with him to impact the world. I know this, though, that the church is not perfect. How do I know that? Because I'm a part of it. And so are you. (laughs) But as we grow together, we become perfected. We help each other grow more like Jesus as iron sharpens iron. We have to remember that the Bible was written to people in the context of church community. That's why we have the book of 
Ephesians and Galatians and Corinthians. Those were all church communities. And when, when, when they were written, they were talking to people as individuals in how they related to one another. We have to understand that. Our lives were never meant to be islands, but we were designed for re- relationship and for us to belong. Now, one of the things as we're getting towards the end of this is, well, well, what do you do? What do I do if I want to be a member here at Eastside City Church? Or why would that be important? Well, I, I, I think that belonging to a community is important because then you get to have a say in how, what things are done when it comes to uh, voting about our budgets and things like that. You get to be a part of that. But it's also just about identifying with a group of people. And so if you want to do that, you have to fill out an application. You can either do that by getting that at the What's Next desk or online at eastsidecitychurch.ca. You can fill it out. And what are you actually committing to? Well, you're committing to pray for Eastside City Church and his leaders. Who here knows that the leaders need prayer? You probably can see that. Yep, Todd, Pastor Todd needs prayer. He needs to remember to put his microphone on before he preaches. Uh, that you're also called to be a defender of the reputation of the church. That if you're going to be a part of something, we don't want to tear it down and make sure that other people are, are, are destroying it because that's not a really a good way to do things or live life. That we're also believing that you're going to be faithful in giving of your tithes and your offering and that you'll be involved in church life through small groups and to serve as needed. You see, when we talk about the belong track, though, we, we're, we believe this, that it consists of four uh, simple but essential steps. And those steps are, as we started four weeks ago on week one, was the first step is to follow Jesus, that the pillar of our faith, what unites us all together is Jesus. He's the cornerstone that we build our lives upon. We talked about that. That is essential. That is why we come together. Secondly, is that we're called to connect with each other, that we connect with other believers in Christian community as the church. And then last week, we, t- we had fun talking about discovering our, our personal gifts and talents and how they are developed and needed in church community. I believe this, that every single one of you has gifts and talents as well as spiritual gifts that need to be developed. And we do that best in church community. And today we're going to talk about serving, how serving one another through church relationship is essential for not only your growth, but the growth of other people. You see, when I first came to Eastside City Church in 1994, it wasn't called Eastside City Church and it was Evangel Worship Center. My first place that I served was not as lead pastor where you see me today. In fact, I was not a pastor at all. In fact, I want to share with you a little secret here. Um, I never wanted to be a pastor. Uh, It wasn't something that I desired to do. But who here knows, God many times has other plans. And so the first place that I got involved was I was an usher. I was on the ushering team. And back in that day, we had four different teams, one for each Sunday of the month. And each team had between four to six people. And our job, maybe you remember this back in uh, the 90s of church, our job first of all was to pass out bulletins. He remembers paper bulletins that, that everybody got and received, and it was part of it. We'd help seat people. We helped receive the offering. We were available for communion or whatever else was needed. And I remember this as a team member, a the, the, the little different era. We had to wear a white shirt with a collar, an appropriate tie, and we had these 
burgundy blazers that every usher wore at Eastside City Church. Who remembers the burgundy jackets? Some of my people that have been here a long time, we've retired those babies, but they were an important part of what we did. It was also expected that we would show up early and that we would stay late and sometimes even until the work was done. But here's the thing, we loved our teams and besides our expected service to people, our goal was each week to outdo the team that had been there the week before. Oh yeah, little competition was good. I remote I remember most about that time though is that we built great relationships as we all serve the Lord and our church with pride. I have a great appreciation for where I started. You see, we're all valuable. Every single one of you is valuable. And each one of us has something to give. At Eastside, we believe that every person is a minister and that every task that is done is important. In fact, it was the way of the early church as described in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And here's what it says. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those with the, in need and they worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I love the scripture. I love the picture that it paints. People were coming in and out of this gathering of people, this community of people, and they were serving one another as was needed. It was a place of discovery, learning, and growing. There was sharing of life and laughter, property and possessions. Whatever was needed was taken care of so nobody lacked for anything. There was joyful worship and even miracles that was so attractive that people could not help but want to be a part. The Bible says because of their fellowship and their service to each other, people were being saved daily, which is our high calling. It's ultimately what we're believing for as a church, for more people to come into a knowledge of who Jesus is. You see, it was the birth of the church, and it was teeming with life. It was so full of life. People found purpose and destiny as they served each other. I believe this, that great things happen when people serve each other and they serve together. You see, our goal today is not to look at what the church is not, but to believe for what it could be and to emphasize how each of us can make a difference through our service. So let's talk about why serving is important. What are some real reasons for serving? First of all, I believe this serving helps find and strengthen relationships. It helps us to find and strengthens relationships. One of the greatest needs for people today is genuine friendship. Everyone needs some good friends. Who here would agree? The challenge is that we many times like to stay within our comfort zone or our bubble. People who are like us, those who have the same background, similar cultures, share the same languages, 
who are familiar, who we're familiar with because we have years of relationship with them. And I want to say this, that's not all bad. It's a, it's a great place to start. It's a great place to begin um, and have a foundation for deeper relationship potential. But it's great as long as our social ecosystem remains intact. What do I mean by that? Well, it means that, we, that, that the people around us kind of, they stay there. Nobody moves away. Little relationship tension or change. But who here knows that's not really how life goes. Things happen all the time. And the problem is if, if, it, if, it, if, if we just stay there, it can become exclusive and sometimes unhealthy. We can get that us for and no more. Who's ever been a part of a group or walked into something where you just felt like, man, there just wasn't room for you. Just, people just didn't really want to get to know you. That's not very much fun. You see, I believe that serving opportunities can help us expand our relationship circle. Uh, one of the things that we did uh, for many years was we did an apple pie fundraiser for our youth group. Now, Jan and I started out as the youth pastors here many years ago. And we started because the youth ministry needed money. I know that's kind of a common theme. It's a surprise. Youth needing money. Uh, I think that's a common uh, refrain. But what was cool about this event is over time it changed into a great relationship builder. What was cool about the apple pie experience was that it brought much of the church together. Uh, I remember we made at our height over 1,500 pies in four days. 1,500 apple pies. And here's what it was. We had groups of people peeling apples. Who here ever peeled apples in an apple pie fundraiser? You, you were a part of that. More power to you. God bless you. Another group mixed pie filling and, and put it all together. It was soupy, it was droopy, it was messy, but it was fun. While our biggest group was in the kitchen, they would make dough and crusts, and, 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 and it took a long time to make a lot of different pie crusts. Who here was a part of doing that? You were part of our dough-making team, many of you. It was, it, was, it was great. And of course, we had the non-stop cleaning group. Why? Well, because apple pie making is messy business. If you were to come in here on some Fridays and Saturdays while this was going on, this whole church was a complete disaster. It was a mess. But here's what I remember the most. There was also music, silliness, laughter, and many times deep conversations. I saw people pray together, worship together, and sometimes cry together as they began to support each other. The greatest thing to see was people who would have never spent time with each other, who would have never even got to know each other, were now rubbing shoulders together, discovering new friendships, new relationships. I look around and I see that many of these people are still friends today because they got to discover somebody new that they didn't know before. You see, in the age of cell phones and social media, we've lost so much that comes from serving together. And I believe this, that serving is more than a task. It is an opportunity to build relationships. I want to encourage you to serve and find some new friends. Secondly, serving helps us discover and develop our spiritual gifts. We talked about this last week. As we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 12, we, we will hear the, not only were there the gifts of the Holy Spirit, such as words of knowledge, prophecy, and wisdom, discerning of spirits, the gifts of faith and miracles being released and exercised by the early church. 
But people were learning to function as pastors and prophets and teachers and evangelists and apostles according to their gifts. You see, these gifts were essential to the growth and development of the people called the body of Christ or the church. As it says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teacher. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. You see, as they met together in community, they began to learn more about Jesus. They prayed for each other and worshiped God together. And when this happened, they began to see more people, <coughs> excuse me, added to their community. These people needed help so they, because they had all sorts of spiritual issues. Some needed healing in their bodies and their minds. Others needed deliverance from demonic oppression. All needed teaching and training on the doctrine and the person of who Jesus was. While each needed to be loved and cared for, especially by those with the pastoral gift. As they served each other, they began to discover their spiritual gifts and to begin to use them to meet the growing needs. The Bible says that the awe of God was upon all of them, releasing miracles through signs and wonders. And because of the love of the people, uh, because of the love of the people and the power of God, the unchurched people came to know Jesus daily and were added to their church family. I believe that each of us has practical and spiritual gifts. Serving on a team allows us to discover and grow those gifts. When we serve together, we discover that people have needs all around us. Not only does it allow us to contribute to the general tasks that are needed for the church to do what it needs to do to minister to people, but it also allows us to use our gift to meet the needs of the people that we see. There's a saying that says necessity is the mother of invention. I like to say it this way, opportunity is the mother of discovery. Now, you could, here's an example. You could be one day serving in the cafe on a Sunday morning when you discover that your coworker needs prayer. But here's the challenge. Maybe you've never prayed for somebody publicly. Instead of giving, this time giving into the fear, you step in and begin to, these incredible words of encouragement begin to come out of your heart and your mouth. Where did these words come from? Well, it's the Holy Spirit in you. And it is the start of a new adventure for you and those around you. You see, these moments can be the beginning of the development of an undiscovered gift. The more we step out, the more we begin to discover about ourselves and our giftings. But here's the third thing I want to share today, that serving brings great joy. A young man I coached in baseball many, many years ago decided that for his 10th birthday, he did not want to receive any birthday gifts for himself. Quite amazing for a 10-year-old kid. Would you agree with me? What had happened was he saw his classmates and other people who did not have much, and he wanted to help. So instead of receiving presents for himself, he decided to receive presents for those who were less fortunate and didn't have anything. To his surprise, it touched a friend so much that they reported this to our newspaper, the Calgary Sun. And people soon jumped into wanting to give gifts as well. The joy of this event touched 
his heart so much that he now does this every year, bringing in thousands of gifts for those who are in need. The Bible declares that it is better for us to give than to receive. One of the greatest elixirs to discouragement and depression is to give ourselves to helping other people. It takes the focus off of us or our problems, our own issues, our wounds, our hurts, our needs, and places the focus on concern for others. And as we help people and, we, and see the difference that we can make, it cannot help but bring joy to our hearts. I remember as well a few years ago that I was with a small group of young men that we were doing a, 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 a something where we wanted to meet some needs in our community. And so we decided that we'd go buy $20 worth of hamburgers from Dairy Queen and go feed some homeless people downtown. As the young men began to deliver these burgers, they had people crying and even confessing their issues in their life to them. It was an amazing thing. But what I remember the most about that time was the car ride home and then the time we had in the church afterwards where there was joyful chatters that poured out of their hearts because uh, the things that they had been able to observe and see how they helped other people. You see, when our heart is open, serving can release incredible joy. And as it says in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Who here now believes we could use a little bit more joy in our lives? I want to encourage you that serving can release joy. But here's my last point today. I believe serving allows us to make a difference. And in my sub notes, it says in ways that we don't always see. Parents are always proud of their kids' accomplishments. It's one of the joys about being a parent. And Jan and I are not any different. And one of the joys of my heart is to see both of my kids who are now in college being successful, doing well in school. Uh, those of you that have been a part of our church know that in, in August, we dropped our son off in New Hampshire uh, to go to college so he could play baseball. He's on a scholarship there, and things are going really well for him. But I want to tell you a story about the greatest baseball year of my son's life. And, and, and for most of my son's life, I was his coach, as I've been a coach in youth sports for many years. And um, I enjoyed being able to do that. It was a great honor but when my son turned 13, I no longer was his on-field coach, so I was able to observe his growth as a player on the outside. Well, as the new year started, there was excitement because he was going from Little League, and for those of you who don't understand that 12 to 13 is one of the big jumps for kids in baseball. They go from a, a field that's small, 200-foot fence, 60-foot bases, to actually the big league field, 90-foot bases. There's leading off, there's stealing, 300-foot fences, and it's a, it's a big jump. And so my son was excited about this new opportunity. But his excitement soon turned to disappointment because every team he tried out for cut him. They said, you're not good enough. You're not what we're looking for. And this was hard for a kid that had played all of these years of his life. Well, the, the, the thing that people didn't understand is my son grew from about 5'2 to 5'9 that year. And he was awkward. He was like a deer on ice. He just couldn't uh, stay coordinated. Well, what ended up happening 
was the team eventually offered him a spot on a 16U team, but with one caveat. The caveat was this, you will rarely play. The coach said, I will train you, I will prepare you, but you're not going to see much playing time. And because of this, he said to us as parents, if you all agree to this, you will not be required to travel with the team that went actually on the road three out of four weekends uh, on a month. He said, we're going to save your mom and dad some money. He agreed to it. Jan and I were like, okay, this could be a better deal than him staying home and not doing anything. He's going to get really good training. So the week of the first road trip arrived. And on Wednesday, my son approached me about going to Cranbrook with his team. Now I remind him, look, son, you don't have to go. You get to stay home. We didn't plan on doing this. And as much as I said, you can't do it, he begged and he pleaded with me to go. And as much as I tried to talk him out of it, he would not relent. So we went to Cranbrook for the Friday and the Saturday and drove home without my son playing even one inning. The next week, I thought this was going to cure him. I thought this was going to be the end of it. But nope, next weekend, the team was heading to Lethbridge. And sure enough, by Wednesday, my son was asking about going on the trip. Well, neither his mother or I could, could take the time off. And so uh, I said, you have to convince your grandma, Pastor Karen, which he did. And so he went to Lethbridge. Again, he did not play. But I heard about the plays his teammates made. The thrilling wins, the agonizing losses, it was all there. For four more weeks, the conversation and the pattern continued. Until on Victoria Day weekend, we decided to turn the ball trip into a mini family vacation and travel to Kalispell, Montana. Why not? He was going to go anyways. So we decided, let's make this a, a trip where we all can do something. When we showed up to the field that Friday afternoon... I was not prepared for what would happen. As the team was warming up, parents of the other players began to come and talk to me. And they began to ask me, they said this, why are you doing this? Why are you letting your son travel weekend after weekend knowing he will never play? Now we'd had this conversation, my son and I, and I asked him the same thing. And, and he said, dad, the reason that I want to go is because it's my team. I want to be part of the team. So I shared that with him. I said, because he's on the team and he wants to play, be a part of the team. Well, these two parents especially said, well, we want you to know it's impacting our kids. It's impacting us. When our kids don't want to get up and go to practice, when our kids want to take the day off, when they don't want to work hard, he says, we listen to them saying, hey, you better get your stuff together because if you don't want to play, we know Isaac will. He shows up even when he can't play. They said, we're watching it change the way that they view things and the way that they feel about things. They said, thank you for letting your son be on this team. You will never know the difference he's making. They said, in fact, he is the most valuable player on this team. Eventually that season, things changed, and he was offered a full spot on the 14U team, but it did not change 
the impact he had on that team. When we serve by faith, we don't always see the impact we make. When we serve by faith, we don't realize that not only can it change us as well as those around us. You see, I believe this, that every person should be a minister because everything that we do has importance. It has value. Serving God and serving others should be a high priority. If I can have the keyboard player come up. I believe that serving people is something that God has called us to do. What can you do? Where do you begin? How do you start? Well, be an usher or a door greeter on our frontline team. There's great opportunity there for many of you. Maybe it's to take a turn in our children's ministry. It's an amazing what's going on in there. There might be over 60, 70 kids in there this morning that are learning about Jesus. Take a turn, be a part of that. Maybe God's calling some of you to strengthen people through Celebrate Recovery and other small groups. Maybe some of you actually have talents and musical gifts or technical abilities to be part of our worship and audiovisual team. Some of you, God's calling you to prayer and intercession. So come and be a part of our Monday night prayer meetings and maybe come up and begin to pray with people on Sunday mornings when we, we offer that. For some of you, God might be calling you to do something new, something that we're not even doing yet. Let's serve together and be what we see in Acts, the church where people are added to our community daily, those who are being saved. You see, that's what this is really all about, seeing people get to know Jesus and to grow in Jesus. Here's my prayer today. I'm praying that God today will begin to speak to each and every one of us to pray that we would have full teams, that we would see more people, that each person would discover their place, find their place, do what God has called them to do. I'm believing for the discovery of spiritual gifts, for some of you to discover what God has called you to use and to develop and to grow. I'm praying for more joy to be released as people serve together, that the, the joy of the Lord would fill every single one of our, our, our hearts. And as we came together to worship on Sunday morning, we would just see the joy of the Lord fill this place in a greater measure. I'm believing for the awe of God to fill this place.